You're listening to the Small Talk Podcast, covering local business and community in the city of Des Plaines. Hello and welcome to Small Talk, connecting business and community brought to you by the Des Plaines Chamber of Commerce and Ian Ryan Interactive. I'm your host, Andrea Beward, the Executive Director of the Des Plaines Chamber of Commerce. And today's episode is going to be such a great one. I am thrilled to have our state senator, Laura Murphy, of the 28th District. So I just have to thank you so much for coming, Senator. I've had the pleasure of working with the senator over the past six years at the chamber, and you have been such a wonderful community partner and supporter. I could go on and on of all the accomplishments and all the wonderful things that you've done for the city. I know you've supported us at the chamber in so many initiatives, the Veterans Back to Work Boot Camp. You've helped the Des Plaines Park District and many, many other organizations here in town. And you were even awarded the first ever, and I think this is in 2021, our Community Partnership Excellence Award for all your outstanding efforts that you've done. And you helped, I know, several member companies like LSG Sky Chefs. Again, the list could go on and on. So the Senator's current committee assignments down in Springfield are Commerce and Economic Development, Committee of the Whole, Um, you work with the Financial Institutions, Vice Chair, Higher Education, Insurance, Public Health, Executive Appointments, boy, you're busy, Executive Local Government Chair, Subcommittee on Election Law, Subchair, you've done a lot, you're busy. And I know you're a native of Park Ridge, and you are a former Des Plaines alderman, and you currently live in Des Plaines with your husband and your son. So welcome to Small Talk. Andrea, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be able to be here. And wow, what a great introduction. I really appreciate that. But I only can be successful because community members make it easy for me. I just think my job is to help support people within my community, constituents in my community. So they make it easy. They make Mm -hmm. it easy to be able to take their interests, their needs, their views to Springfield and turn them into policy that can create a better Illinois. And, you know, I'm at a point now where I've almost lived in Des Plaines longer than I was in Park Ridge. So I'm excited. I've been in Des Plaines about 30 years because I chose to live in Des Plaines when I, when I grew up. And I bought my first house when I was still single in Des Plaines because Des Plaines is that type of affordable community. And then I just wanted to give back. That's how I got involved to be an alderman. And I thought that was really important. And I think that Des Plaines is such a hidden gem in it the really Northwest is. suburbs. And, and we hope to change that. But it is. It really and is And someday special. we're going to get it to the next level. We I are. think that's what we all aspire to do. And, and the potential is here. We just have to put it all together yeah. at some point in time. And excited about helping with that as well. I am too. It seems like all the pieces really have been falling together. And I know we've had a difficult last couple of years, but we're working forward and great things are on the horizon. So before I get into all the great questions, so what really made you decide to get into politics? I know it's a hard business to be in. Well, I think that, you know, I hate the name politician. 
because that doesn't describe me and it doesn't describe no, it doesn't. majority of the people that I work with in Illinois public that service. I work with in displays exactly mm-hmm. it's public service so it becomes a calling it just happened that I grew up in a family that was politically orientated you know my mother was really involved and we were raised with a mindset that you have to give back to the community Sense you have service. to give back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i was fascinated one time by hearing Ed Lee Stevenson speak hmm. at, he had like a town hall meeting. And I just was fascinated by the interaction of people with him and his response and how that all worked. And maybe that was the seed. And my sixth grade history teacher, Mr. Cathart, yeah. I think that might have been the seed that got me involved. And when I was in sixth grade, Watergate was going on. Wow. And we saw, it was the first time that you saw all of those hearings televised. And we could watch them. And I don't know, I just felt like I, I liked this whole. So that's why I was a political science major too. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a sense of purpose and you could make a difference. And boy, you really have made a difference. So Thank it's you. a great thing that you did decide to go into. So what does supporting small businesses look like to you? You know, in we all know small businesses are the backbone of our community. Without small mm-hmm. business, no community can be successful. So, but you know, what what does it mean to support them? It's more than going to your local grocery stores and vendors and businesses. I think in my role as a state senator, I have to ensure that every policy that's enacted and formulated does not harm our small businesses. So I'm cognizant that what will this do to their bottom line? What new regulation, if this particular bill is passed, what new regulation would it impose on a small business community? What's the tax structure that we're setting up? So I was happy in early in I've been in the General Assembly since 2015. I was appointed, ran in 16, again in 20, um, up for election again mm-hmm. in 22. But one of my first bills was Senate Bill 865 that eliminated fees for small businesses. So when you wanted to, it helps make it easier to form a business because we have so right. many people with entrepreneurial skills. Right, especially now. I mean, that is the trend that we're hearing from the next generation. So and very do, important. Even during the pandemic, Illinois more had so. 70% more startups mm-hmm. than any other state. We rank sixth in the nation with the number of startup communities that we've had, even during a pandemic. So we're trying to make it a culture of being more business friendly. This is a place where you can come and you know, small businesses just have morphed into so many things. Right. You know, whether you're a craft brewer these days, whether you're in technology, whether you're in a service oriented business, you know, there are so many areas that we can help you expound on these days. And we can make sure that we have policies that help you rather than hurt you. you and, know what, and we're yeah. not chasing businesses right. away in And Illinois. we're not. And I think that's some dialogue that I think needs to be presented more, you know, as being a small local chamber for displays, I could tell you that we have had so many new members, new companies that have joined the chamber. We haven't seen this growth with the companies joining. And again, they're startup companies that are doing the right thing. They're trying to get out there and they're trying to, you know, these new business owners are following their dreams and it's happening. So I see it. That's great. We see it. I'm so glad that you see it. And that was what 
part of the mission of all of our back to business grants were that we had and we had over two million dollars mm-hmm. that were allocated to displaying businesses and I'm really proud that we were able to be that successful in giving our businesses that kind of support because you don't want someone to fail. We right. have to do everything we can to help support them and make sure that they're profitable year two, three, five, see them through those early Difficult years. Times. Mm-hmm. So what else? Obviously, the back to business. And we'll get back because I have some more questions to ask you regarding that. But what else has the General Assembly passed in the past sessions to help out small businesses? Well, we have a couple bills that allow for support. And I think we have to look at the support in the bigger picture of Mm -hmm. support. Your small business can't be successful without daycare. You know, if you don't have childcare at home, no business can be successful. So we really put in a a lot of additional funding into our childcare, our early childhood support, addition, you know, like hundreds of millions of dollars went into supporting those. We also have to ensure our transportation system is in place. You have to be able to have passable roads, bridges, Mm -hmm. public transportation as well, so that we can get people to work. We did some other bills that expanded homegrown businesses Mm -hmm. make it easier for people to form their own companies and then be successful in the operations of those companies. So those are some major things, I think, in the last budget cycle that we did, mindful that we were still in a pandemic and still recovering from a pandemic. And the good news, I think, on a lot of our grant programs, too, are that they're not fully required to be operational until 2024. Mm -hmm. And the feds, when they came in with the ARPA money too, is 2024. So it gives you some time to know that recovery is not going to be immediate. That's great. I know the businesses definitely need it. So getting back to the COVID-19 pandemic and small businesses, I know many of our businesses had the chance to apply for grants like the Back to Business to help them with the costs that came up. Tell us how this program has helped out specifically Displains. So in the community of Displains alone, there were over two and a half million dollars allocated to individual businesses. So businesses had to apply. Now they had to show a loss Mm -hmm. on their profit and loss statement. But because the good and the bad, because Displains had a higher level of COVID than some of our surrounding Northwest suburban communities, we were considered a priority community so that we could get some additional funding for that. And thank God we were. And we know a lot of that additional funding and the attention brought, we're very thankful to you. Well, and that's how we got the uh, vaccination site at the old Kmart location. Because we had to fight for those things that weren't talking. We needed it. Yeah, we needed it. Yes, they should have been here. And all resources, you know, we have sometimes a suburban and Chicago butting of heads. Mm -hmm. And we know the city doesn't survive or thrive without the suburbs, and the suburbs don't don't thrive thrive and survive without the city, right? Right. So we have to have this mutual partnership where we all benefit from that. Yeah. And I have to thank you because obviously, when the shutdown happened, I could tell you the Displains Chamber, you know, part of the way that we survive is doing events. Well, yes, we had to pivot and do Zoom events like everybody else, but obviously our revenues suffered 
tremendously. Also, many of our members, especially some of the restaurants, they had difficulties too. So our year was really down and we were able to apply and we actually received some of that grant monies. And the great thing about organizations like us is when we get those monies, we put it right back out and to trying to help out the businesses in our community. So I do want to thank you and several member companies I know personally were helped by those grants and are here today as a result because of that because they wouldn't have been without it and we knew that people needed money and nobody wants to be dependent on government but there are times when we face an unprecedented pandemic that government has to step up and and frankly that's the role of government is to step up when people are the neediest and we've just provided you know not handouts but hands up to make sure that you were going to be able to be successful Because can you imagine if everything had no support? I mean, nobody was able to financially make payroll. No one paid their rent. No one can pay their mortgages, their utilities. You know, the world basically would come to a standstill. So government had to step up at that role. And it's nice to know that it just doesn't happen to businesses down in Springfield or in Chicago. It's actually helping out the real communities that we consider that are our homes. So thank you very much for your efforts on that. Is there any other thing coming in the future that you know of? Because I also know that this year with all the rising costs and everything, the businesses are still being affected right now. Is there anything on the horizon or anything that we could share right now or... Well, there aren't going to be any additional grants Mm -hmm. allocated because we have used all of our ARPA money. The state of Illinois received a little over $8 billion in ARPA funds. And like every other state, we spent all of it as we should. As we should. It's a grant. Right. Right. We needed to shore up our businesses and make sure that people were successful. But one thing that has occurred in the state is that our credit ratings have significantly increased. We have had significant credit Which upgrades. Which that affects people's businesses. Absolutely. I mean, that's in a positive so, way. Yep. When someone's going to finance and they look at the state that they're in, when our credit ratings are upgraded, it benefits the entire state. We made some really significant inroads in this last budget cycle to provide stability to programs. And we didn't provide new funding or create new programs that had to be funded, we tried to provide stability. So for the first time in my adult life, I believe we have a real rainy day fund Mm -hmm. that has been funded at a billion dollars so that if an emergency occurs within the state of Illinois, we'll be able to go to those resources. We have, for the first time, too, received the Pew Report, which a lot of people, financial people, like to follow Pew's research. Mm -hmm. And Pew even said that our pensions are headed towards stability. We were able to make a significant increase in our payments. So like it's the person, if you have some credit card debt and you only pay the minimum amount, you never get out of debt. So we were able to pay a significant $500 million in addition to the bottom payment that will help offset the cost of the interest in our pension debt. So that helps get us on a point of more stability. And everything that we can do at that end helps our businesses because it gives Illinois 
a, a better reputation. Mm-hmm. And so when businesses look to come into, they're looking at all those things as well. And, and stability, I think, and being able to plan. Often businesses tell me that's the number one important thing in their arena is we want stability. We want to be able to plan. We want to be sure, able to know budget, what's happening. Exactly. Yep. So future years down the road, we want to know that we're not going to face significant t- tax increases or things of that nature. They really want to know that. Yep. But the one thing we're still working on is a better process of funding our school system, which, of course, relies on property taxes. So I know we can't have any discussion without acknowledging that we still have some pretty significant property taxes in the state of Illinois. And what we have to do is work, I think, we have to work to funding more at the cost of education so that we can... Not ease that burden that, yeah. yep, on the backs of property taxpayers. But I have to put in a plug here. This is a pre-COVID number, but Illinois ranked fifth in the nation in our ACT scores. So we're making that investment from our property taxes into our kids' education, and we're seeing a value that comes back from that. So mm-hmm. few people realize that our education system, although everyone has opinions on mm-hmm. success or not, but it is working as we see the numbers that are accepted nationally. It's absolutely working. And even I feel, you know, as a mom of an older child, but I also have two kids that are younger in middle school that are going on to high school. You know, when you get those reports quarterly and you look at their scores, even from the younger kids level, we're doing well. I mean, you know, the schools and especially the schools, you know, in this region. So, yep. And and we know that we have to work on the equity and parity throughout the state, but we're starting to get there. Right, right. We're starting. Nothing happens um, in a day. Absolutely not. No. Heard that. And particularly government, right? Government is not known to be the forefront. You know, often we are picking up behind. Right. Senator, what was done specifically to assist the hospitality industry? Because I know they probably just like, as I mentioned, the chamber, you know, with us, with not being able to do events, obviously we weren't able to do events at the local area restaurants and bars and banquet halls. What was done specifically to help them during the time when everything was shut down? So and and, and people weren't going out. Yeah. So well, even if it, right, yeah, they were everything scared. was closed. So yeah, that was a difficult yeah. time for restaurant owners or anybody in the hospitality arena and all the businesses too that thrive off the hospitality industry. Which is a lot of businesses here. <laughs> I mean, you don't even realize how many right. things that. So some things that we tried to do is we changed laws. We changed our liquor laws to allow for packaged liquor mm-hmm. to go out. So when when the wave went, okay, we'll move to takeout. Well, then you could People take, love it. Yep, yeah. You, you could, and they could drink in their safety of their own home. Exactly. And we could have to-go like cocktails right. and, and do things of that nature. We eliminated the fee for renewing your liquor license, knowing that people are still in the recovery phase so that we'd be able to waive that for a short period of time. We created a new fund to help specifically the smaller hotel industry, because the feds had come in with a system that if you were over $25 million in profit, that you received some grant funding from the And those are feds. all managed by the bigger chains. Yeah, the exactly. smaller hotels are independent the, management companies. and Absolutely. Yeah. So we said that let's provide some funding for those that are $25 million and below, because they're the ones, too, that need some assistance. And think of all the storm. employees that they hire exactly. that, unfortunately 
couldn't work during that yep, time. Yep. But I think the good news is we're hearing hotel occupancy is back it's up booming. to like 70% yeah, or yeah. higher, right? When I say booming, let me say that it's it's doing much better. Yep. Yep. So I think you can see evidence that those mm-hmm. programs worked. And they were meant just to shore up people. They're not long-term programming, but it just gave people enough support so that they could continue to operate until the the marketplace drives the business back. And certainly we're seeing such a huge need for services and goods right now. That's why our supply chain is so out of whack that, you know, the need is so much greater than the supply right now. Which is, is hopefully is eventually going to catch up, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So what are you hoping to work on in the future to help out small businesses as we look forward to the future? Well, here's something I appreciate that question because I've given that a lot of thought. And I thought, well, of course, we have to enact legislation that's going to support our small businesses. But a number of us are not who are making the policy aren't small business owners. I think that we should work together, Andrea, and set up a roundtable group that meets like quarterly so that we can communicate what are the biggest needs Mm -hmm. that we see in the small staffing. business arena. Yeah, <laughs> and, and staffing yeah. and training. Yeah. You know, so we have done a couple things in that. We received some federal grant mm-hmm. money to help with apprenticeship programs. So we're doing that. But even above that, I had a bill this year that came from a special needs advocate in the district that said, but nobody wants to work for disabled kids. And we have such a huge need. Can't we set up a quasi-apprenticeship type mm-hmm. program through the high school so we get kids Kids involved in that arena now, and then they could get some high school credit, yeah, and, and then realize they could get, like how yep. rewarding working in that industry is. Yep, and bring people into right. that. So we did successfully pass, and the governor signed just a couple weeks ago the DSP workers. So now I have a mission to get that word out to high school kids that you can to. get college credit, you can get some little payment. And you can get a certificate that helps you advance then if you go into that arena. So it's a win-win for everybody. And, you know, we just now are going to start getting that message out. So I have an intern in my office from District 207 who attends Maine West High School. And he came up with the idea of creating this video to show his classmates the potential of other businesses that they have and how rewarding a job in this arena mm-hmm. could be. And it's so great us getting some of the students involved at the high school level. I know we work with Kayla Hansen and their team over there with the same district, and they're amazing. And we have an intern that actually started a week ago that is helping us get into the century, too. And we're going to be doing videos on TikTok and all that. But that is so crucial to get the word out to them so we could help solve some of the problems of the future. I agree. Yep. So would you have any advice, like, you know, especially to your intern or for anybody that young professional that wants to get into politics to feel just like you were? Obviously, with the changing times, some kids are feeling like they can't make a difference, but they can. Do you have any advice to any one of these young professionals that are graduating high school, how they could get involved in public service to make a difference? Yeah, because I think they just have to get exposed to it. And first off, believe that every single person can make a difference. And even if it just starts with writing one of your legislators, one of your elected officials, and 
hopefully they will be responsive. Um, I know our office tries I know to you respond. Will be. Yeah, to be. yeah. And then, you know, it's an election cycle. I'd encourage them to go and volunteer in sure. any campaign that they like. Whoever they can read up, there's many things that are good about social media, but they have access to information, so right. they can read on a candidate. They can go and, and that's volunteer. how they're finding their information. Yep. So it's yep. important that they find the right information and the right and make yep. a difference. Absolutely. Right? And then that's a great way to get the exposure. And they can see what it's all involved and know that that's the only way we make change, right? It's yeah. We've always learned. I think we were taught that, you know, you cannot change the rules until you're at the table. Right. So, so jump you know, in. Yep, exactly. Volunteer. And, and, and it mm-hmm. doesn't happen overnight. Right. right. We know that you have to continually work at this, but anything worth having has been worked for. It sure has. God, that's great. So finally, Senator, how has been being a part of the Displains Chamber and some of the other Displains wonderful nonprofit organizations, how has that helped you? So first off, and I say this, and I don't want anyone to think I'm pandering at all, but since you have been at the helm of the Displains Chamber, there has been just huge strides of encouraging businesses to participate, of having the opportunity to have something tangible of value for being a chamber member. So I have to well, give you, you the appropriate and accolades. I don't, I don't take it that way because I know, I mean, we try. Obviously, we have many different businesses, different shapes and sizes, and many different members that we appreciate all. And, you know, you try to be just like we're public service. You know, we try to do what we can to help, but it wouldn't be possible without supportive members, wonderful businesses, and wonderful legislators like yourself that all come to the table, work together, and try and make a difference. Well, and I have really enjoyed the opportunity to work with you and help make connections. You know, help makes, we're working on a project for veterans, entrepreneurial business. And so for me, it's really rewarding when I'm able to try and help make that connection because it's not all about legislating and policy making. It's It's about about communications and people, right? right? And helping in, in recognizing that maybe we can be the resource for connecting people. And I think that's a wonderful, that's what's really helped me with the chamber and and knowing all the different things and the exposure that the chamber gives to me in my office to know, and that helps us recognize the needs in the community. Right. And that's the most important. I mean, we're all trying to make a difference in one way or another and try to connect. So that's that's the name of the game. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're so busy and we appreciate you coming out and really educating our listeners on what's happening, what's brewing. Well, so I, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoy spending time. And if any, ever there's anything else you want to talk about or have, you know, I'm happy to come to meetings and, and just discuss and yeah. communicate because that's how we solve problems. That's how we do it. And so speaking of that, how can any of our listeners get in touch with you or your office if they are hearing what you're saying inspired or have an opinion? Like, how can they connect? Sure. So my office is in Displains at 1685 River Road. And that's right across from Mrs. V's restaurant. We all know where Um, that is. (laughs) And so we're there every day. My phone number is 847-718-1110. The email is laura, L-A-U-R-A, 
at SenatorLauraMurphy.com. You have to spell that all the way out. But yeah, feel free to reach out to me at any time. I have staff members in the office all the time, even when I'm out at various sites or down in Springfield, but they're there every day and I'm happy to assist you. And they could also go to our website or give the chamber office a call and we'd be happy to give out that information and we'll give directions. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> if we need to. So thank you again and I hope you have a wonderful day. Oh, well, thank you. You too.